You are listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 66. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. I am so happy to have you here again. But if this is your first time listening, I want to give you a big welcome and a thank you for being here. There are so many great podcasts out there and personal finance podcasts out there, but you chose this one. So I am truly, truly grateful. If you haven't already, be sure to join us in our Facebook community. We have a lot of fun over there and it's really simple to join. You just go to jenhemphill.com forward slash community, click join and we'll add you. Or you can simply, when you're in Facebook, go to the Facebook search bar and just look for Her Money Matters. So I hope to see you in there. In today's episode, I've got a great guest, very accomplished at her young age, a fellow Latina. So I'm excited to have her here. And what you'll learn in today's episode is the impact of growing up in the midst of the LA riots, what it had on her and what she learned, the specific rituals that she has when sitting down to manage her finances. You'll also learn the special money challenges that we don't think about for first-generation college graduates. And you'll also learn what exactly happened in this one particular happy hour with her friends that inspired her book. So let me share with you a little bit about Natalie Torres. Uh, She's a financial literacy workshop facilitator, a published author, real estate investor, a partner of EducatedLatina.com, and a business administrative instructor at the UEI College with a mission to uplift students everywhere. Her activities has been covered in the Los Angeles Times, ABC News, Fox News, Telemundo, to name a few. She's also one of the 4% of Hispanics holding a master's degree in the United States, a woman making a difference finalist of the LA Business Journal and a finalist for the best business book for International Latino Book Awards for her book, Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes. Her dreams realized from an unlikely background raised in Inglewood, California, during the LA riots, a city surrounded by major economic barriers. So let's go ahead and meet Natalie. Welcome, Natalie Torres, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm so happy and stoked to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, this is a special interview for me because you're a Latina. I'm a Latina. We're both in the area of personal finance. So I'm really excited to talk to you, hear about your background, all that good stuff. So are you ready to dive in? Oh, absolutely. Let's do this. Perfect. So tell me a little bit about how you grew up around money and your money story. Well, how I grew up around money has different meanings to me. Uh, I come from a family of immigrants, myself being one, uh, but my parents left during a civil war and growing up in Inglewood, uh, as you can, and most people know the city, um, lack of resources was something that uh, definitely 
I was surrounded by. Um, but luckily for me, I, I think uh, the benefits of my parents, they did show me how to save and to be ready for the unexpected. Obviously for them, they left during a time of a war. So you never know what's going to happen, but having some kind of a little cushion is always important to have. Um, so growing up in, in a neighborhood where, yeah, there's definitely lack of resources and money as uh, something that I saw. Um, I was fortunate enough that my parents uh, sent me to private school for high school. And so I was all of a sudden surrounded by uh, very wealthy students and very wealthy families. And I got to see the both sides of um, what it is to have money and how to deal with it and how the wealthy handle their money as opposed to those that are just trying to get by and, and save a little for the long run. So I felt really fortunate that I got to see both sides of it. Um, and I grew up during the time of the LA riot. So coming from uh, Inglewood and seeing, you know, your local neighborhood shops and grocery stores wow. being burnt to the ground um, really had an impact on me that I knew I wanted to make sure I had the financial means to make sure that my family and, and myself would be safe. Wow. Now, tell me a little bit about, okay, so in you were born in is El, Salvador. El Salvador, no? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. So the, I wanted to make sure I got the right country. And so growing up a little bit in El Salvador and immigrating to the U.S. and tell me a little bit about the money, well, one, the money conversations that your parents had with you and mm -hmm. maybe a little bit about the culture, you know, what beliefs around money yes. in that culture. Yes. So for, for me, I was a baby when my parents migrated here. So mostly I grew up here in LA and the conversations that I had with my parents uh, came with a side of, you have to always save for something in case something were to happen. Um, my mother worked in the hospitality industry for many years and my father uh, was self-employed and working here and there. So money was usually uh, kind of not only tight, but it was something that we talked about, not on a consistent basis as I would have liked to, but I think it was something that they made it very clear that if you don't have anything saved up or you don't have some kind of means to get you to the next point, there's definitely going to be a lot of problems. But I think the, the nice thing that I really grew up with in my family and with our culture, um, there is a lot of taboo, unfortunately, about money. And it's almost kind of you don't want to speak about it because of the taboos that are brought around it, unfortunately. However, uh, for my family side, my parents, uh, my dad was that entrepreneurial side of it. And my mother was, you know, hardworking, always working uh, overtime, if anything. So I did see the fruits of their labor and see that education also is something that can help you not only get a better job or do well later on, but understand the, the financial side of it. So growing up as a child, especially in the Latino culture, it's not something very common that we speak about money. Um, however, our customs of showing helping others and saving, uh, uh, even if it's just a little bit at a time. Right. And even though me being Latina, we're both Latinas, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask that about culture because even though it's the Latino culture, every mm -hmm. country in Latin America is a little different. And right. from how we speak Spanish, the lingo, <laughs> all that good stuff. So I wanted to make sure that I asked that uh, just because there's some sort of difference uh, in each, yes. each, each country. So thanks for sharing that. And what would you say are your challenges around money? Uh, my challenges around money, I think like most people, it's the unknown factor of where the next big thing's coming from. Um, and I think my challenges have been just for myself, because I've always been not only just an entrepreneur, but have my own business on the side as well as work full time. And, you know, being able to balance that and 
my biggest challenge is, yeah, just kind of letting go of that fear. And the more I learn to not only manage my money better, but enjoy the process and its fruits of it, I think the, the continuous challenge is to make sure that it is coming and it comes in so many different forms. And I think that's the biggest fear I hear a lot of people talk about. They're just like, well, I'm not sure how it's going to get there. Um, and for me, I've always been such a planner since a child. <laughs> and for me, I plan so much that I think it has helped really helped me overcome that challenge. And I'm still dealing with it as well, always. And I think it's a, like it is, it's called the challenge because you're constantly trying to make yourself a better person. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm definitely a planner myself, mm-hmm. um, but I think being a military spouse, uh, oh, yes. that mm-hmm. definitely has helped me like deal with the other side of like the things thrown last minute or things yes. like that, because that, that has taught me to be able to just not be so dependent on the plan and not, mm-hmm. you know, if something comes, right. falls from the wayside. Uh, that's definitely been a learning experience. And you are married. So are you the money manager in your home? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> we laugh at that, but yes, we do. Um, and I, I see that a lot amongst the, most of my family and friends and clients that I come across, uh, that women were just, you know, betting money managers, but also because uh, in our, in our house too, it's, um, we don't have kids. We have two dogs, <laughs> but we, you know, we're homeowners and rental property owners as well. And I think, uh, I, you know, I do a lot of the, the managing because not just because of my financial background, but my husband, he feels a little bit more comfortable knowing that I handle a lot of that stuff, especially when it comes to, and as, as women, as nurturers, you know, the groceries <laughs> along with, you know, the day-to-day stuff and, you know, getting contractors when you need it, all that thing. Um, so I think that's kind of why it's, it's fell upon me and I've always been that way anyway. So it, it kind of works out for both of us. <laughs> Perfect. Now, could you take us through maybe a month just briefly of how you manage the money in your home? Whether uh, do you ha- use a spreadsheet? Do you uh, sit down with your husband and have, you know, maybe have a talk once a week or once a month? How does that look for you specifically when you manage your money? you know, take us for about 30 days. Yeah. So definitely is an ongoing thing. So it's, um, more at least a weekly thing for me, but yes, for 30 days, let's say, um, I have some of my actual rituals. Um, I call them rituals because I have to, and I think everyone should be able to make, you know, managing their money fun. Um, and for me, one of my rituals is, you know, when I'm paying bills, when I'm organizing what our expenses are for the month, um, I do have my, you know, my desk sit down. Um, luckily I get to work from home as well. So it's, it's, I do have that set up. But um, what I do is I put a candle and I have some just light music on the side. And it's just it brings this atmosphere of like I'm ready to do something that's well for my family, that's well for our future. I do have a few spreadsheets. What I actually also have are folders and each folder has um, and I can definitely send this to you too as well. But has the breakdown of, you know, what um, expenses are for our utilities, for our rent, um, for, you know, some management fees that we, for our properties that we own, for uh, expenses of groceries, anything. It's uh, certain folders that are something that you deal with every month, basically, um, outer expenses, insurance. So I do have everything. Like I said, I am a very organized person. <laughs> so I have my little, <laughs> my my husband calls it the accordion box oh, um, because funny. it has, you know, it, I even say it, if God forbid I pass or he passes, you know, I go, that box is the one that you run out with because it has all our information, our, our passwords, our account numbers. Um, it Being organized allows me to do my financial stuff quickly. Right. Um, and I think that's really important when someone is trying to get a handle. And I think that's the overwhelming feeling that most people feel. And I totally understand how that is to pay down your bills and, and just deal with money overall. So if I make it fun and quick and pleasant, 
it becomes, like I said, it's a ritual. It's like, oh, okay, every week, um, even every day, I kind of check here and there, especially if we have a lot of expenses coming up or things mm-hmm. like that. But having a track of that, writing it down really does help. Um, I use Excel. I keep it pretty simple. Um, I do like mint.com as well, but I think that's one of the things that I see. I, if I keep it simple and I'm see, hand, handwriting at some of it, it allows me to feel like I've accomplished something as well, especially you know paying down debt and de- managing money here and there. Love that. Yes, definitely. I agree. Keep it really simple. So you actually do it. Don't overwhelm yourself. uh, Because we have enough in the day to do so. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a long time. Um, That's what I said. I I try to block that when I do that, maybe 30 minutes. And if I know it's going to be longer, then I take a little break because that's part of kind of like, okay, it doesn't have to be this daunting thing. It should be enjoyable. Absolutely. I like that should be enjoyable. Key thing. What would you say is your best money spent? Um, my best money spent, I think for me, I just love to travel. So I think some of the best money spent is just taking off. And, and the most recent one, uh, a couple years ago, actually, I did a backpacking trip with one of my friends. And it was a great experience for me, just kind of out of your element. Did have to save some money for that, of course. And I think planning is key, especially when you're traveling. You could plan so much, but then everything can go wrong, right? (laughs) And I think uh, that was kind of the best money spent as well, because with my background education and everything that has helped me to get where I am, I think being able to travel too helps because you do have to plan a little bit and be ready for the unexpected. So I think my best money spent was on that travel trip, just, you know, buying the, the plane tickets, the boat rides, the, the bus here and, um, and the places we're going to stay and, and the great museums we wanted to attack. So uh, definitely money well spent. <laughs> Love it. And how about your proudest money moment? Uh, my proudest money moment, I'd have to say, was probably my first property that I bought on my own. Um, prior to that, I bought something with a partner. Um, but I think that feeling of um, I can count on myself and I can provide for my family in the future Um, And I think it's part of that. Maybe it is part of that Latino culture, too, but kind of like the owning your home is part of the dream. But for me, it it wasn't necessarily, oh, the dream. It was just kind of having a little more sense of uh, independence and being able to provide for myself. And at the time, I wasn't married, too. So I think that's something that I wanted to be able to bring to the table with my partner. So that was definitely one of my proudest moments. <laughs> awesome. And homeownership is a big deal for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> especially, at, yeah, especially at a young age too. Yes, so. <laughs> absolutely. So who would you say influenced you most in the area of money? Well, definitely. I think we're a product of our culture. So, um, or, or, or our environment and my mother, uh, definitely influenced me a lot. Cause I did see her, um, you know, I see her sit down on the kitchen table and pay down bills. And, um, we didn't talk about it as much as I would have liked to, but I think being able to see that she handles the money as well as my dad, um, you know, having his own business too. I think that's something that he was very consistent about, like, here are the receipts, here's, you know, his stack of, um, expenses and being able to be around that was very helpful. And I was also very lucky to have mentors growing up and, and through college and even after in my career as well. So I think I have a few in my most, most recent mentor, I think has really helped me just be able to keep it on. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Track and just kind of being able to handle anything that comes in front of me. So I'm lucky that I have many people that have influenced me. That is awesome. And how about maybe a money guru celebrity, your favorite one? 
Ha. So <laughs> I laugh at that because two have changed, but I think it have always still been in the back of my mind. Um, I did read Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad in college mm-hmm. when it first came out. And it really did. Um, I felt like it reflected a lot of my life. So I'm like, oh, that happened. To- well, I went to a public school and then, um, you know, then went to one of the best private schools in a great area. And it was automatically an eye opener for me. Um, so his books have been very helpful. And I think um, you look at Tony Robbins now, too. I think that's one of the things that I, I love about his energy, but just giving that inspiration to other people and being able to remind them that it's doable. There's just, you know, things that you have to accomplish for yourself too. Right. No, I agree. And did you read the latest Tony Robbins, the money book? Um, and of course I, I mentioned it. Uh-huh. The um, master of the money game. Yes. Yes, I did read it. Um, I have some goods in the bad room, but I think the greatest things about the book is I think over 50 people that he interviewed in different mm-hmm. fields and, and the best in the world and giving, they gave their advice, whether it was just a few pages on what they felt was the most crucial to have in order to be financially, um, you can say financially savvy as well, but financially um, secure and what they what risks they took. And I think that's really helpful for people that are not really sure um, what steps to take and being able to see kind of like many autobiographies of, you know, people have done really well for themselves and for their communities as well. I think uh, that's one of the things I really liked about his book. Right. And it's, it's not a book that you, well, I guess you could mm-hmm. read it in a weekend, but for me, oh, no. <laughs> I took up my time. It took a month, about, I would say a month to read that just because there's just so much in yes. there. Uh, he yes. even talks about, uh, cause some, uh, financial freedom and the different mm-hmm. levels of financial freedom, where some people you think financial freedom, it's just getting out of debt, but he even takes it further in there mm-hmm. where it's more about not just that, but the um, amount of money you have stashed for retirement. It's about exactly. your lifestyle that you have currently. So it was different levels. So I thought I took away a lot uh, from that book, but it's definitely yeah. um, not a book that you just read over a weekend. No, <laughs> for not, me, not. in my opinion. <laughs> and I'm such a reader. I, I try to read as much as possible. And so for me, it, I, I did read it quicker than I expected, but uh, yeah, it took me a couple weeks because it was, but yeah, I had to set time aside to do that. And, mm-hmm. um, and some of the, some of the chapters are, are not as easy as, you know, might sound. So it's kind of like, okay, read through, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, oh yeah, there's definitely so much to learn from it. There is. Well, speaking of books, you've also written a book. So it's called Financially Savvy in Under 20 Minutes. In, Tell me a little bit yeah. about how that came to be and a little bit about your book. Yes. Uh, so Financially Savvy in 20 Minutes, um, published uh, more than a few years ago. It was actually written um, kind of funny, the story, the way it came about. Uh, recent college graduates, uh, more than more than I want to say, <laughs> years ago. But um, I was sitting around um, having, a, I think it was during happy hour with some of my friends and living in Los Angeles, you know, we're talking about, you know, living with rent and, and now student loans and, and, you know, dealing with the, it felt like never ending expenses. And um, I had just paid off one of my student loans and I was actually, ju- had just purchased a, a first property and, and I was thinking, wait a minute, how did I do that? You know, how, right. how can I help my friends? Um, we were all, you know, in the early 20s. And a lot of them, some of them didn't even have student loans, but yet they had more to more debt. So I thought, well, what are the key things that I would like for them to learn? And, you know, when I, I mentioned to them, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write little notes for you. And they're like, oh, well, you probably learned this in you know, college because your degrees are in finance. And I go, no, they don't teach you this in college, even if you're a finance major. It took me about six months because I wanted to write 
some notes and, and, and like a guidebook for them. And I wanted to, the best things that I felt like, are they really going to read this? And, um, and unfortunately millennials get that bad rap, like, Oh, they don't, they want something quick. However, I was just trying to start them off with something small. It's kind of like when you're teaching a child to start something new, you're not going to say, I'm going to teach you from A to Z um, today. It's like, no, we're going to practice saying a, and how does it look? And what does it sound? You know? And so I was like, I need to start off with something that is, is going to be meaningful for them and helpful and really can help other people as, as well. Cause I've had so many people come up to me after like, Oh, this isn't just for college. Dad. These are people that are living on their own or have a family or have tons of debt. And they're just trying to figure it out. So I just list five steps. And this was after condensing a lot of my notes <laughs> into a small read it under 20 minutes. Cause I thought people will say, Oh sure. I'm going to read the book and months, years have passed and they never read the book. So this is a quick, you know, get it out of the way. And the five steps really help them just tackle some of those um, fears and just know where to start. And I think most people have that fear of like, oh, well, I don't know where to go or I'm not sure where I don't even want to know how much I owe. And I, I give them some basic steps on how to do that. So I think uh, when that came about, my my friends loved it and more and more people are like, oh, I want that. And so I uh, got an editor and then a publisher was like, this is great. And so it's, it's, and it's something that I started using in my financial literacy workshops at the colleges after, you know, or before they graduate from college. And it was just such a helpful tool because a lot of those same questions that I would get from students and clients, I, I put in my book because it was just so easy. Well, I love that concept of just reading it in under 20 minutes because you're <laughs> right. So a lot of people, we have the best intentions of reading whatever book, whether it's personal finance or something else and apply it, but we don't finish it necessarily. Uh, yeah. So I love that you in the title, you're, it's under 20 minutes, read it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, in one uh, city. <laughs> that is awesome. So I'll be sure to include a link for that in the show notes. Now, I'm also really curious because one of your biggest passions is doing workshops and talking to first-generation college students and the lack of financial literacy for them. So I want to hear about why, you know, what brought you to do that. I have a a feeling of what, but (laughs) I want to hear it from you. Why is it your passion? And uh, tell me a little bit about those struggles that they face from the lack of resources and all that good stuff. Yes. um, I think it roots from a lot of things. A lot of students are excited to graduate and all of a sudden, when they graduate, they're stuck with this huge bill. You know, it's kind of what it feels like and, you know, not knowing what steps to take. My background, actually, after I got my master's, I, I, I did have a nonprofit that helped um, high school girls, graduating high school girls. And I saw their worries and their fears about, okay, well, I'm going to college. But how am I going to pay for this afterwards? Um, and so first-generation college students, that means a lot of different things. It doesn't just necessarily mean you're the first in your family to graduate from college. That chances are means you're the first to have student debt. You're the first to probably live on your own or having to move away for a new job. Um, you're the first to probably deal with a lot of money matters that most people haven't. So with my nonprofit, what I saw that happening over during these workshops and these questions that most girls were having, um, I wanted to be able to provide that. My passion has always rooted from, I think, as a child as well, but to be able to empower people is not just through education, but giving them actual tools so they can take action. Because most people always say, oh, well, you know, knowledge is power. I'll get it done. It's like, well, if, if you're not doing anything about it, how do you know where you're going from there? Um, and the steps that I, you know, I, I said, I indicated in the book, the workshops were really helpful. And how I came about even with the workshop was uh, one of my old professors, she's the, the dean 
at our school. And so she, you know, they had a class for um, exits. So students that are about to graduate their seniors in college, they're required to take an online course, an actual workshop on how to deal with your student loans, how to deal with student debt overall. And so I was lucky enough that they wanted me to come in. I did a few workshops and then other colleges nearby heard what I was doing and really loved the mission because there wasn't many people doing that at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just something that kind of came about. And as I started answering the same questions I would get all the time, I think this is one of the biggest things that I said, wow, this is a much bigger um, offset. And it's, it's sometimes people think it's just millennials or it's just young people dealing with it. It's not necessarily. You have a lot of people that are going back to school, even after being in a career for 30, 20 something years, finding themselves how to now handle student debt if they're taking out student loans or credit cards and all that in order to pay for it. Um, so I think the passion always just came from me because I wanted to make sure from my mistakes, things that I've learned and from other people that I've seen their mistakes learn, I wanted to be able to show them, hey, this is things that you can avoid or at least learn how to handle if you're already in that situation. And I love that you bring that up because you've definitely made me think here. I'm second generation. So my parents mm-hmm. both were first generation college students awesome. mm-hmm. um, in both their families. But yeah, you definitely made me think here of you're right. If they're going to college and they're taking student loans, they have to learn how to deal with that. So mm-hmm. it's, it, you definitely made me think on that. And I have to do some thinking about my parents um, <laughs> now and just re- do some reflection here because you you don't really think about that. You're right. You don't. No. So I definitely it's, what you're doing is a wonderful thing. Thank you. It's definitely rewarding and it's definitely worth hearing it. I had um, one of my favorite stories, I think, if I mentioned the lady, she had already her two daughters already graduated, one graduating from college and one was entering college. And she had gone back um, herself and she told me about all the debt that she inquired with this. And she also had a business of her own. And she said, it really, I wasn't expecting it. It was exciting when I got her response. And she's like, you know, I, I managed to pay down $30,000 a debt in a year learning, you know, just for those basic texts that you, you were talking about in your, I was like, really, that's just, it's wonderful to hear that. And yeah. um, not that I was surprised, but she was, she mentioned that saying, you know, as a first generation and here's a grown woman, she's like, you're learning to do all these things that you take for granted, or maybe your child might hopefully not repeat the same mistakes, but yeah, you you come across like, oh, it's un, uncharted territory, especially if you're in a different country or, or you're just, right. you know, starting out on your own in a different industry that maybe your parents, even if they did go to college, whether you're third or second generation, learning to deal with credit cards that, you know, before they didn't have credit cards back then, how do right. you deal with that type of debt as well? Um, so I think it's, it's really important to be able to acknowledge and make it, make people aware that they can handle that too. Right, right. Well, I commend all your work because you've you've accomplished so much. You mentioned a nonprofit. <laughs> of course, you're doing the workshops. You've written, doing a, written a book. Of course, property owner and different properties that you own. So I really commend you and congratulate you on all that, all those accomplishments, Natalie, because that is huge. Thank so you. let's wrap it up here because this has been fantastic. And as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it because that's what we do here. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Hmm. Her money matters because gives her a lot more choices and options than she could ever imagine. 
Love it. That is so very true. So thank you so much, Natalie, for being here. It's been such a treat to uh, speak to you, to speak another Latina in the world of personal finance. Continue doing all the great things you're doing because you are doing wonderful. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure being a part of it. And, you know, with EducatedLatina.com, we're just so excited to be able to be a part of this with you because you inspire us and you inspire so many women out there. Thank you for having us. Oh, I appreciate you. Thanks for those kind words. So what did you think? I hope that you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed chatting with Natalie. It was really so insightful to really learn some things that you just take for granted or don't even think about, just to be aware of that gap that those first-generation grads have that we don't think about. As I mentioned during my chat with her, I never thought about this, but it's just so true because you achieve this great milestone and then you potentially, if you're in that situation of having student loans, you have it and you don't know much about it uh, unless... Maybe you have those parents are really, truly on top of things, but normally you just don't have their experience or knowledge to learn from because they didn't go through that, right? So you have these, not just the first to graduate college, but you have these other first that we don't even think about. So I thought that was very, very insightful. And just be sure to check out her great work at educatedlatina.com. Now, I haven't done this in a while. I usually always give shout outs, but I haven't given a shout out to a reviewer of iTunes of this podcast. So I want to just give a shout out to this reviewer, uh, Betru. And she writes that as a single woman with no support system, when it comes to finances, I'm finding your podcast very helpful and informative as they address women's relationships with money, our attitudes, struggles, and fears toward it. This is making a difference. Thank you. Well, Betru, I want to thank you. It means so much for uh, you to write those kind words. Give us a five-star review. I am glad that you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are listening to this particular episode, if you haven't already, join us in the community. I'd love to connect with you in there. So again, thank you. And I know that I don't ask for reviews. That is not something I just haven't. At the very beginning when we I started this podcast, I was definitely asking for those reviews because they do mean something. It really puts in the world of iTunes. It's the magic of how your podcast gets out there in front of more people in iTunes. So if you love this podcast, if you haven't given a review yet, please, I would love it. It would mean the world to me just for you to take a few minutes out of your time. I show you how on the show notes. Uh, It shows you a little video exactly what you need to do. I know it's a pain. They make it more difficult than it needs to be, honestly. But if you can, I would definitely greatly appreciate it. So next week on episode 67, it is a special episode. I know all my episodes are special, right? I love each one of them, though. Uh, But in this particular episode, uh, it involves you as a listener, especially if you're in our Facebook community. I have asked for the best money advice that you wish you got as a kid. Uh, So definitely come back for that one in episode 67. And that 
is a wrap for today. I want to thank Natalie for joining us, for sharing all the goodness that she shared today. And be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Natalie, uh, the, about her book, how to get her book, and more at jenhempill.com forward slash 66. So thanks again. And I will talk to you again on Thursday, the next Thursday, that is. Thursday.